So I'm hoping that this series has helped you begin to create some soul space and uh, move toward union with God. If you haven't picked up the book and you're thinking, because you, the the book that we base the series on by the same name, Get Your Life Back, it's by John Eldridge, and there is a study guide you can get to go with it. So you can go even deeper, which is what we're doing in our growth groups. Just a little commercial there. Um, we've been going deep, haven't we, ladies? That's good stuff. So um, you want to be there for that. This week is our last growth group until for Christmas break time, and then we'll be back January I believe it's the 19th, so it'll be in your bulletin next week. So um, anyway, uh, we love mountaintop experiences with God, don't we? Aren't they fun? Like, I have great memories of youth retreats that I went on as a teen. How many of you all went to a youth retreat or like a youth camp or something? Yeah, church camp, something like that, right? Yeah, so there were these amazing times of worship really hardcore, and the message would bring everybody to tears, and then the altars would be full, right? And then we'd all go home, and I would go home from these convinced that my life was going to be completely changed from that moment on. I was going to win all my friends at school to Christ. They were all going to know Jesus by the end of the month (laughs) or something crazy like that. Um, My prayer time would be this euphoric experience every day where I just experienced the presence of God in a profound way. And um, I would never, ever doubt again. (laughs) And we all know it didn't work out that way, right? If you've ever been in those mountaintop experiences and you've had those thoughts, you come home, you think it's going to be different, and it is for a while. But it doesn't turn out that way because a weekend like that can be a great shot in the arm, and they're really great. They're important, but we are going to need God again on Monday. We're going to need him again the next day and the next day and the next day. And you've probably had a similar experience. So maybe it was when you first met Jesus and everything was just wonderful. Or um, maybe it was a missions trip you took that changed your outlook or a powerful time in worship. And those times are fantastic. And God gives those as gifts to us, right? And they are important, but we can't stay on the mountain all the time. And this made me think about um, when Moses went up on the mountain, right, to meet with God. And when he was up there, he would, like, be in the presence of God. And he would come down from the mountain, and his face, like, they couldn't even look at him all the time because he was glowing with the presence of God, right? But then what did Moses have to do when he came down the mountain? He had to walk through life with these grumpy, complaining people all around him, right, in a dry desert where there was no water. And how long are we going to have to wander? So he didn't get to enjoy that feeling of that mountaintop. And we know this by the way he acted sometimes. He wasn't always in that mountaintop experience state, right? So... It doesn't mean that you're failing when you're not in that state. It just means you're human. It just means that's life, okay? And rather than seeking God only in the fantastic or in those mountaintop experiences, we can find him waiting for us in the dailies. I made that word up, the dailies. 
the everyday life. And our culture kind of pressures us to be amazing. Everything has to be amazing. But if we want to recover our lives, we're going to have to find it in the daily simple things. It's not going to be everything is going to be fantastic all the time. And God doesn't pressure you to be amazing. And God doesn't even expect a certain level of spirituality or passion. Did you know that? He does not even expect you to be like, Wendy, why aren't you like super excited and jumping up and down today? God does not expect that of you. But the soul eventually will not cooperate if it's neglected. So as we wrap up this series, if we don't change our daily habits in some way, we're going to find ourselves back in the same place next year or maybe even next month, tomorrow. <laughs> if we don't change our daily habits in some way, shape, or form, we're going to find ourselves exhausted and frustrated. And we're going to try to be living off the, ex the last experience we had with God. We try to live off of that. And we can't do that. We have to walk through the daily things we have, and we're going to get into what that means. But it's so important because Proverbs 4.23 tells us, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart above all else. So the shepherding of our heart and our soul is of utmost importance because it's going to just determine where our life goes. So we're going to talk about some things that the Bible points to that can help us. But first, I want to pray again. God, I thank you for your word and the truth that is in your word. And I pray, God, that we would hear your word with new ears this morning. That what we hear would not be what we've heard over and over. But, God, you would illuminate what you want to say to us as individuals and as a body and that we would be tuned in to what you are saying. And we just thank you. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so let's look at Philippians 4.9. Paul wrote this, um, and he says, Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. So what we need to remember this morning is to be intentional about partnering with God in caring for your soul. So when Paul wrote this letter, uh, he wrote this letter to the church in Philippi. And when he wrote it, he was in prison. Okay, and it was believed that this was one of the last letters that he wrote while he was in prison. So he'd probably been there a little while, and he was suffering for the sake of the gospel. And here he is suffering in prison, and he's teaching uh, his followers, he's sharing how to experience the God of peace while suffering in prison. So that makes me want to listen to what Paul has to say, because if he can talk about how to experience the God of peace while suffering in prison, he probably knows a thing about a thing or two about a thing or two, right? Because um, I imagine it wasn't necessarily easy for him to feel peaceful. He had to be intentional about it because he's not in a place where that's going to come naturally. David wrote, 
both Psalm 22 and Psalm 23. But if you read them back to back, it almost seems like it, that's impossible for the same person to have written those. And let's just look at them super quick. Just the first couple of verses of each. Psalm 22, 1 to 2 says, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night I lift my voice, but I find no relief. And then in Psalm 23, 1 to 3, he says, The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. There's another version that says he restores my soul. So in the first passage, David feels forsaken by an unresponsive God, right? And in the second, his soul feels shepherded by an ever-attentive God. And because of the cross... Jesus understands when we feel abandoned by God because the same words that, that David said right here, why have you, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Jesus said those words on the cross. So he understands when we feel that way, right? Jesus walked through that same pain. And because of him, we can find that restoration for our souls. So just like when we come down off of our mountaintop experience and we're in the valley, we can still find restoration for our souls. But we have to be intentional. God will bring things across your path or inside your heart that you need in order to encourage and refresh you, just like he did for David. Obviously, that's what he did for David. He could go from one extreme to the other, but we have to look for them. We have to look for those things. We have to know that he is at work. And you can reject those things for lesser comfort. Or you can put into practice the things that you've learned, just like Paul was saying. When you're feeling like David did in Psalm 22, and you're just feeling God has forsaken you and everything's at loss, do you feel like practicing the things that you've learned? No. We don't, but that's what we're supposed, I mean, if Paul can do it while he's in prison, we certainly can do it when our internet's out or I know, I know we have bigger problems than that, but being facetious, but anyway, you can seek what you need from the only source that satisfies, but we have a role to play. So what can we do on a daily or weekly basis? What might this practicing look like? The first thing is super simple. It's just ask God to release you from the false burden of needing to be awesome. <laughs> you don't have to be awesome in the world's eyes. You are already awesome in his eyes. You don't have to impress anybody. He's already accepted you. You are deeply loved and accepted. You are fully known and fully accepted. That is really hard to believe some days. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. 
let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. So he doesn't, it, there's in the message version that the end of that scripture says he doesn't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on us. The world and our own expectations, the way we lay ill-fitting things on ourselves, don't we? And we try to fit into something that we're not expected to be. God doesn't lay anything ill-fitting on us. He doesn't have expectations of you. He wants relationship with you. And through that relationship, then you are capable of doing all the things he asks you to do. But it's only through that relationship. It's only with him. So ask him to release you from that false burden. And next, check your barometers. Your soul will let you know how it's doing through uh, positive and negative barometers that serve as indicators. So for example, when a friend is asking for help or for your time and you kind of hesitate in your heart or you go, not in front of them, of course. <laughs> or you just avoid entering in. What excuse can I give? This is a symptom that you're running on fumes. Because our capacity for relationship is a super helpful gauge. If you've lost the capacity for or, and the enjoyment of relationship with those in your life, now I'm not talking about your entire social circle. I'm talking about those closest to you, those you interact with on a daily basis, right, or regularly. If you're just finding yourself not enjoying that anymore, things are likely off in your soul. Or you might find yourself um, doing things that you're just relying on things to get you through the week. Like, got to have my ice cream if I'm going to make it through this stressful week. Uh, or, uh, you know, you find yourself binge watching shows because you just can't stand the thought of doing one more thing, right? Sometimes, though, it's neglecting the positive things. You turn down an invitation from a friend that you would normally jump on. Like, normally it would be like, yes, let's do that. And then you go, when they ask you, you're kind of like, eh. That's an indicator, Right? Or you have, maybe you haven't been taking your evening walk. You haven't been taking care of yourself in certain ways. Things that normally are positive in indicators in your life, they're, they're slipping away. Or the simple practices that help you connect more with God. Isn't it strange? Maybe I'm the only one. Probably not. I think it's so strange how when we're struggling, we tend to take a step back from time with God. Why? Why do we do this? We are sabotaging ourselves when what we need to be doing is taking a step further in, deeper in. God, help me. Right? So don't wait until you're doing all those things at once. All the negative indicators, all the positive, they're all there. Don't wait until that happens. When you see one, 
That's the time to address it. That's the time to pay attention to your soul. And then next, straight from Philippians 4.9, practice daily those things that bring you more of God. Practice. A good picture of, of the need for this comes through the Old Testament story of the manna. So the entire nation of Israel is rescued from slavery in Egypt, right? And when they describe what that looked like in Deuteronomy 26, 8, it describes it as being with a strong hand and a powerful arm, with overwhelming terror and with miraculous signs and wonders. That sounds like a mountaintop experience, doesn't it? Doesn't it? <laughs> yes. And then they walk through the Red Sea, right? And their, their enemies are vanquished. And then they get to the other side. And then what? They find themselves wandering in the desert where there's no annual rainfall for 40 years. <laughs> That's a valley, right? And... God provides them with manna every morning for food. And they can't store it, so they can't hoard it. They can't put it in jars, and, or it'll just spoil. Why? Because God wants them to receive it every day. Every day. They have to gather it each morning. Now, it was always there, wasn't it? He always fed them. He never let them down, but they had to go out every morning. And we often don't go out and get our manna. And we wander in our little wilderness going, God, where are you? But we didn't go get our manna. He's waiting to provide for us, but we have to go gather it. We have to practice the things that, that we have learned to do. Because no matter how much of God we experience and receive, we'll need him again tomorrow. Like I said, we can't store all that up on the inside. Now, I'm not saying he won't sustain you. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is you're going to find yourself run down if you're not seeking him every day. And that could be as simple as when you open your eyes, dear God, help me. <laughs> right? This is why Jesus taught us to pray for our daily bread in Matthew 6, 11, because we need him every day. It doesn't mean you're not a good Christian. It means that you're human once again. And through the series, we've talked about things like pausing, going outside, unplugging. Those are nourishing things for all of us. Those are things that all of our souls need. But you also have to find things that work specifically for you and build those in. So going for drives or hikes. I don't know if you're going to hike in the winter. I don't know. Some people do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> you're not hiking together then. <laughs> no, no. Uh, <laughs> Maybe it's reading a good book in, in the warm house. Uh, maybe, maybe it's talking on the phone with a friend who encourages you. I felt myself just depleted recently, and I, I texted a good friend that I hadn't, we hadn't been able to meet up for a while, just circumstances of life. And um, I'm like, hey, you free? She's like, yeah, let's get together. So we got together, and like, 
two hours went like that because, and literally, literally, we laughed, we cried, (laughs) and we felt nourished by the time it was over because we need to build in those things that refresh our souls, right? Um, For some people, work nourishes the soul. Now, I'm not talking about your job. I'm talking like a project around the house or working in the garden. Sometimes those things really bring life to you. But we have to pray for God to reveal himself in the daily things of life. Because you may feel like you're, like, you may be sitting there going, Wendy, I practice those things. I read my Bible every day, and I talk to God every day, and I still feel dried out and tired and sad and depressed. Okay. And the Israelites felt that way too, I bet. Right? And we often want to ask God, where have you been all day? But how would it shift your posture to ask yourself, where have I been? Where's my heart been? Where's my posture been towards God all day? Because as Lee talked about last week, he's with you and he wants to reveal himself to you. But I think sometimes, uh, yeah, I think sometimes, going off script, that we have an expectation of how God's going to reveal himself to us or how he should reveal himself to us. And when that doesn't happen, then we feel like he's not. If we're, you know, we go to pray and we don't feel anything or we don't get any words or we don't get any visions or whatever, or the scripture doesn't jump off the page to us, we're like, well, God didn't meet me. But that's just because he didn't meet you in the way that you might have expected him to. We just have to wait and see, right? And trust that he is good and that he is revealing himself to you. So think about how you start your day. This is something that came uh, to me recently and really challenged me. Think about how you start your day. So when you first open your eyes, what is the first thing you do? Think about that. You don't have to tell me. Because whatever you do, the first thing you do when you open your eyes, it will greatly influence your day. So if the first thing when you open your eyes is to open yourself to God and say, God, what are your purposes for me today? It could be that simple. Or maybe the first thing you do is look at your phone. Or maybe the first thing you do is... Think about how rotten it is that you have to get up or (laughs) how tired you are, right? That's going to influence your day and influence what your soul experiences through the day. So I've been practicing this in the morning. And when I open my eyes, I, I say something, you know, to God. And usually it could be a little incoherent because it's first thing in the morning. And um, those of you who recently heard Lee's story about how I wake up, yes, I wake up hard. But (laughs) when I wake up and my alarm goes off and I turn it off, I consciously say to myself, God, today is yours. 
or I say, God, what do you have for me today? Just whatever, just a sentence like that, something that will change the posture of my soul. Because honestly, when I first wake up, I think I do not want to get up and I don't have anything to look forward to. So, right. But it's changed my, my, it's changed my day just by saying, God, what do you have for me today? This day is yours. So practice those things that bring you more of God, whether they are turning out the way that you expect them to or not. Because like we saw with the manna, he's always going to provide it. He will provide what we need. It just may not be the way we expect it. They didn't like the manna much, right? And last but not least, tell God who he is and what you love about him. Tell God who he is and what you love about him. Because when we focus on those things, we draw closer to him. When we're thinking about the things that we're frustrated about, we pull away from him, just like I was talking about earlier. So when we focus on what we love about him and who he is, we remember how amazing he is and that he gives good gifts to his children. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above, right? Psalm 18, verses 1 to 2, David says, I love you, Lord. You are my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me, and my place of safety. He just tells God who he is and who he is to him. And then he goes on in that chapter to call God his rescuer, a rewarder, a faithful uh, faithful God. He's pure, perfect, a promise keeper, the one who smooths out his path. He enables and strengthens him, the one who gives him victory. He calls him his salvation, right? When we start to th- focus on the things that we love about God and who he is, it leads us to a place of gratitude and worship, which nourishes our souls. And then we start to see him in the in the every day. We see him in the sunset. We see him in the, in the rain. We see him wherever we look because we are looking for him. And normally we don't register those things because, well, I don't. I'm very task oriented. So I'm just thinking about what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm not thinking about, oh, look at that rainbow, <laughs> right? That must be God. I'm just like, oh, look, nice, you know, and I just keep, but when we're focusing on who God is, we can see those things as a gift from him. And we rejoice in him. Telling God who he is, is an absolute way of building up our spirits and turning our focus back to him. And then we're not as frazzled. And I want that for you. I want that for us. Augustine described the whole life of the Christian as a holy longing. And when we, as we mature in him and our hearts grow for the kingdom, then that allows us to receive more of God and enjoy more of the life he gives. And a major theme in the book of Philippians, our our theme verse today, that book, the whole theme is that by centering our lives on Christ, we might live in true joy. That's what that whole book is about. Philippians is a short book, so if you feel like reading it, that's a good place to start if you're looking for true joy. But it can't be 
trying to fit God into our lives. It has to be fitting our lives around him. He is the center. That's where we find true peace and joy. That's why we sing at Christmas time. We're singing about um, let every heart prepare him room. We make room for him to take his rightful place in the center of it all. We sang that this morning, I think. So we sing about it and we talk about it and we read about it and we pray about it. But do we do it? Do we practice it? Because we can't expect to find the God of peace if we're not practicing the things that we've learned. So this morning, I just want to commit to look for him and to be intentional with our souls. God is so just wanting to reveal himself to you. I just feel that in, in my heart, in my spirit. I just feel like what God is saying is, I so want you to see me. And it's almost like he's, um, it's like the picture I'm seeing is like there's a crowd of people and the crowd represents just everything in your life, right? And Jesus is like in there in the crowd somewhere and he's jumping up and down and he's waving his arm. Hey, Lori. Hey, hey, hey. I'm here. And I'm not saying you, but we, I just think this is a word for all of us because we go, oh, hey. Right? But do we, do we go encounter him in that moment? Or do we just let all of the mess around us get in the way? His heart is to, just be with you. So I want to pray for you guys and for myself to experience that. So let's just take a posture of surrender. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. God, I pray for those who are in the valley today who feel like they don't know where you went. And I just ask, God, that, that you would stir within us that, that hunger to go gather the manna. to practice those things that we have learned, that we know you are uh, inviting us into, but we shy away because it doesn't look like we expect it to look. And God, I pray for those who are just, their lives feel cluttered and chaotic 
And I ask that by your spirit, you would quiet the noise. Even if that's just, I feel like that's even um, voices in your head. Just just feels like there's um, so many thoughts clamoring for your attention. Holy Spirit, would you quiet the noise in our hearts and minds? And help us to hear your truth what you're saying to us. Just going to wait on him for a minute. Come, Holy Spirit. We acknowledge you. God, that you are the God who sees, help us to see you, 